Welcome into a brand new Friday Scramble, April 29th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lack. Andy, welcome. Welcome, man. Yeah, good morning. Are you uh, enjoying this tournament so far? What What are your thoughts? What's it, any big takeaways? I think the biggest takeaway is we were pretty spot on with the, uh, the course reconnaissance. I'll tell you that. Um, playing exactly as we expected, even when... Uh, I got a chance to talk to Patrick Flavin on Wednesday night. He kind of confirms confirms like the the length of it and the wide landing areas and all the stuff that we that we kind of thought. I was uh, I'll give us you know, a little little tap on the back for uh, for how well we I think we figured this one out. Yeah, um, John Rom even said a lot of the same thing on the. John Rom was like quoting my. Monday article. He was like, yeah, you know, it's really generous off the tee here. You have to hit a lot, a lot of long irons. You have to kind of be comfortable on the slower green surface. Um, so yeah, very pleased with kind of, uh, our course breakdown and, and pre-tournament thoughts. However, I, I don't know if it's going to translate into a super profitable week for me because, I did not bet John Rom at plus three hundred, and it it feels like it's a very real possibility that he uh, he just runs away with this one. I I don't even think I'll be mad about it. Like honestly, honestly, it might be better for the industry as a whole if he wins this golf tournament at three and a half or four to one, and as the highest owned golfer ever in like a main slate forty five percent. That I I feel like that would reinforce bad habits that uh we would reap the benefits from for a long time okay rick you know i always hit you with these bangers so i'm already looking ahead if john rom wins this week should he be the favorite at southern hills i'm not saying will he be because books give him a ton of respect already and i think he is a slight favorite over scheffler but in your head heading into the pga championship if Rom wins this week, I don't think he's going to win this tournament by eight strokes, by the way. But if he, you know, wins pretty convincingly, um, should he be the favorite at the PGA Championship in, what, two and a half weeks time from now? Yeah, he probably should. He should, but he should probably be the favorite whether he wins this or not, right? Like, I don't really, really? care if he wins this. Yeah, I just think that... Um, there's a lot of good guys at the top of the board, but I mean, who who are the other realistic options? Scheffler is the one I'm thinking about. Scheffler's the only one I'm thinking about. I, I, I don't know what else he's got to do. Scheffler, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Four four wins and six starts, including the Masters, the Masters, and a uh, WGC, and a Phoenix, which was a great field. Yeah, I guess Scheffler should be. I think they should be co-favorites, right? I mean, Scheffler's won four times in the last six weeks, including the Masters. Rom's won one time in the last 12, 10 months, and it was a strength of field of 150. So, like, mm. on paper, it should be Scheffler. But if you're giving me a matchup at Southern Hills, I agree. I'd probably take Rom. Right. I don't know if – but I guess my bigger point is I don't know if, like, I care if he wins this week or not. You know what I mean? Like, if my yeah. opinion on John Rom does not change one way or another if he wins the Mexico Open or if he finishes T23. Right. Right. Exactly. And I think all it really does is it it affects. But I think, you know, I think some people will feel differently about Rom heading into the PGA, right? So if you're of the mindset of, 
you really like Rom at the PGA, you probably want him to finish T23 because he's not playing the Wells Fargo. I've already been taking a peek at that field. I doubt he'll play Byron Nelson either. So if this is the last time we see John Rom, even though it's a poor field, he'll probably be the highest priced golfer at, at the PGA or, or second to Scheffler and, and uh, be pretty highly owned as well. Yeah, seems uh, certainly seems likely. Uh, we are indeed presented by Prize Picks. We're going to get to the props here in just one second, but the code you're looking for is Rick. Make sure you have that enter. Make sure you have your uh, you know fingers ready to go to put these props in. There's also a link in the description. How have you enjoyed this Mexico Open, Andy? I mean, it's uh, it's got a lot of opportunity for guys not named John Rom if one of them could pull it off. Uh, in terms of viewing, I prefer firm and fast golf courses. I like when the ball hits the ground and you're not sure what's going to happen after that always. Um, so I've never been a huge fan of tropical golf, be it playing it myself or, or viewing it on TV. With that being said, um, it's a pretty, it, it seems like there are fun holes on this golf tournament with some variants. Like I've enjoyed watching that drivable par four, which I think yeah. is the seventh. seventh. Any golf course that you get with a closing reachable par five is fun. So although I would prefer it to be a little bit firmer or faster, and maybe who knows on Sunday afternoon, we get carnage in a different way in terms of super high winds, which seems to be the pattern. But I think that we will have a fun finish like i think this will be a pretty enjoyable viewing experience down the stretch because there's a lot of difficult holes and a lot of easy holes so i think that should create some fun variants you and i were talking before we went hot about the scoring differences not only from thursday morning to thursday afternoon but now also to friday morning where we're at right now and basically this golf course uh and i think you might have the numbers there is playing just as hard as it did yesterday afternoon, which was significantly harder than it did yesterday morning. Right. Yeah. So it's playing even par this morning, essentially. Yesterday afternoon, it played a touch over even par, it played like 0.48. Um, and yesterday morning, by the way, it was like almost two strokes under par, right? So what does that mean? That, you know, if we're going on this trend, then maybe this afternoon is going to be pretty brutal. If we're already starting to see the wind and the course firm up just a little bit in the morning, then who knows this afternoon could play a stroke, a stroke and a half over par, which is something that I am banking on. If, uh, if you look at my props this week, uh, minus two, most likely cut line. I think at the moment, does that sound about right? Sounds about right. I'm hoping for minus one. I don't watch Tony Finau right now. And some, some of the people in the chat are discussing it a little bit as well. I'm with you guys. It just doesn't look like, I mean, he's missing five footers by like a cup and a half. Um, and he's my highest own highest own golfer in DraftKings. So I'm hoping minus one, but yeah. So the minus ones right now are sitting at T 65 which is fine if you think that the afternoon wave is going to shoot over par. But keep in mind, a lot of these people around the cut line are on the golf course now because more of the people that went out and shot lower scores like minus three, minus four, minus five, all those guys went out yesterday morning. Um, 
So yeah, I think it's probably, I think we're going to have a sweat wreck. I think it's going to be minus one or minus two and we're going to have a sweat. Uh, that biggest sweat might be in the form of Gary Woodland, who just made double bogey on number one. So now he no has, way. now he's minus one. Uh, yeah, he put one, he was in like the, the tree outline, then he hit it in the water and he just made double. You know, uh, Woodland was a guy that actually, when I was looking at the outline last night and I was looking at players that hit the ball really well and couldn't putt, I was I w- and we're going off in the morning. Woodland was like the perfect quote unquote live ad guy because he shot a really good score yesterday afternoon and didn't even putt well at all. Um, yeah. Disappointing performance. Now we're changing expectations. Just make the cut, Gary. Just make the cut, Gary. That's our new motto for the day. Okay, Andy, we've got uh, obviously guys out on the golf course right now. We're going to have the guys that we have props on coming up soon. So let's hit the props, uh, and then we'll get back into some of the live odds and everything else that's going on in the world of golf. So the coach you're looking for is Rick at Prize Picks. The link is in the description. We'll drop the props on you on the other side. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, let's do prop it like it's hot presented by prize picks. We are going to release four props and you can go and put them all together in one single entry. You can put two together and then another two or three or however you want, or you could just play the opposite of all of them. It doesn't really matter what you do, but this is what we're rolling with here, Andy. So uh, Armina released the props. Boom. There they are. Andy, what's your first one? Okay, so. I'm going with Rom over 67.5. Now, I understand this is a, a squeamish one, certainly. And Rom was great yesterday, but he also made a 42 foot eagle putt and chipped in. And yeah. he went out early in the morning. And he even talked about in his post round interview, he was like, I played in the absolute easiest conditions. It's going to get harder tomorrow afternoon. So he's one of the last guys to go off this afternoon. And yesterday afternoon, it played to a scoring average of 71.4. So you're basically asking Rom this afternoon to gain four strokes on the field tomorrow if he's going to shoot 67. It's just a lot. Um, And I think it's even going to be harder today, this afternoon, than it was yesterday. So I think Rom will win the tournament. You know, this is just a pure number play. If he goes out and shoots 68 this afternoon, Rick, that's an awesome round. He might be in the lead. He probably will be in the lead if he shoots 68 this afternoon. So I just thought 67.5, just too low. Pure, pure number play wreck. Yeah. If they, if it does get to 72 as the scoring average, right. If him shooting, him gaining four strokes to the field is like a, an 82nd percentile of performance. Him gaining five is like in the nineties, probably. It's just like, we're just playing the odds here. 
playing the odds, put pure number play. That was the one that I saw where I was like, ah, this, this just feels a little bit too low. Uh, I have bad news from the chat, Andy. It looks mm. like hole number two, and I can confirm, or hole number 12 has been removed. Oh, that was my second one. Yeah, that was my, one of mine as well. So we both had over four and a half on hole number 12. Uh, they probably removed it because they were getting crushed because we both had over. I had Patrick Reed. You had Pat Perez. Let me just confirm this. They don't have it anymore. That stinks. I don't like that. I, I can like go that. on the fly though. Uh, here, I'm I'll give you my I'll one. give you my next one, then we can talk through a couple of other ones. So uh, okay, cool. I, I'm going with Sebastian Munoz over nine fairways. He missed one yesterday, one, which is 12. He hit 12 out of 13. I understand this conditions are going to get a little bit harder, but everything that we've known from early reconnaissance on this course has been wide, generous landing areas, and that has proven to be true. Uh, Sebastian Munoz is a great driver of the golf ball in general. And he showed us that on Thursday, I think no problem goes out, goes out, hits at least nine fairways. I'll take the over on Seb Munoz. So we've got Rom over 67 and a half Munoz over nine fairways. And then we got to do a little, a little real time research here. Andy, anything stick out to you? Yeah. What do you think about wise? over 68.5. So that's the lowest. And I like Aaron wise. I think both of us, I bet Aaron wise pre-tournament. I think you might've as well. Yeah, I've, I've, I've bet him like every week for like every, every week. So, yeah. so again, I'm just looking at as a potential number play here, right? Like he has the second lowest over under besides ROM at 68.5. And again, like if, if wise shoots 69 today, there's a potential for him to be gaining two and a half strokes on the field, right? Which is, Wise is not a two and a half plus 2.5 on the field guy. Every no one really is, right? right? So it's just as a a pure number play that is intriguing to me. What do you think about that one? I like that one. I actually like, um, so, so one of the ones that I put in last night was Tony Finau under, I think it was four and a half birdies or better because I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Andy. The all of the pins were in bowls. Like every single one of them was in a bowl. And when I was looking at the pin sheet, uh, you weren't really getting that today. And I was like, okay, you know, everything yesterday funneled. We saw low scores, especially in the morning. We're not going to get that. We're going to get harder conditions. I thought some of the birdie or better numbers, which Rob's at five, Aaron Wise is at four and a half, Munoz, Rye, Hal, Revy, Perez, Reed, they're all at four. I thought those were a bit strong, to be honest. Right. And that kind of gives an explanation for what we're seeing this morning, because you're looking at the weather forecast and the there's not a ton of wind on this golf course. Yeah. But the scoring average is almost two strokes harder this morning than it was yesterday morning. So you're probably onto something there with the pins. That's got to be the explanation, right? Yeah. I guess the it's not like past palm can firm up that much overnight. It can firm up a little bit. So I yeah. think you're onto something there. Yeah, I think it's pins. So we'll 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 uh, pivot a little bit here. I think the I think the birdies are better, are a bit strong. Uh, Aaron Wise over sixty eight and a half. Again, it's asking gain at least two and a half strokes on the field. That's a pretty big ass. Uh, John Rom over sixty seven and a half. Seb Munoz over nine. The code you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description. Um, I always love the whole 17 green and regulation. Just one shot, Andy. One shot. Is he going to hit the green or not? It's like the ultimate sweat. 
what is it now? Is it, uh, it's like, um, 60 something percent greens and green regulation on 17. So it's kind of a shorter par three, correct? Let's see 17 today. Uh, no 17 today. They have it two Oh eight. Okay. So you want to probably be looking at the unders maybe I'm actually going to just look up. Um, if you'll bear with me for one second, I can just tell you. Yeah, exactly I can, I can vamp a little bit like Patrick Reed, for example, who's not a good long iron player at all. You're asking Patrick Reed to hit the green on a 208 yard shot is dubious at best. Is Patrick, what, is Patrick Reed just like cooked? He drives it like 275 now. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I was crazy enough to play him in DraftKings this week at like 6%. Um, probably end up going to be end up going to be the wrong decision because I ended up making a margin call at the last minute to have 0% ROM. Um, but the reason why I was a little more interested in Reed this week is I guess he's been down here at this resort for a while and just kind of grinding and getting himself more comfortable on these greens. And he shot a minus four in round one. So he played well in round one. And again, it was putting, which is kind of, what it has to be at this point with Reed. But I think the real good litmus test on Reed is going to be harder golf courses later in the year. Like um, I think the U S open is a really good course setup for him. Right. right. So I think he is still going to be in play on courses uh, that have a low greens and regulation percentage where you have to rely on your short game a lot. I think that's where we're going to really learn the most about whether Reed is kind of cooked or not. I guess that makes sense. Uh, and, you know, there was a time where I think we could have, I wouldn't have argued it, but like we've seen, we've seen this happen from a lot of guys, right? We've seen Jason day kind of, okay. He's out of his prime. Gary Woodland went through 18 months where he was not Gary Woodland. Ricky Fowler is Spieth. in that kind of spot right now. Jor yeah. Jordan speed. It's, it's like, we might not know what this moment in time is for Patrick Reed until like 18 months from now, where if, if he just continues stinking, it's like, okay, well, he's out of his prime, he's done. Or it's like, no, this was just like a really awkward stretch. He was going through club changes and, and everything else that was going on. We might be in the middle of it with a guy like Webb Simpson right now too. Yeah. Even, I mean, there's even whispers about a DJ. Is DJ on starting to be on the back end of his career, right? So that's the tricky thing about golf is that um, it probably has the largest range of outcomes in terms of what your prime is. We just saw Phil Mickelson win the third biggest, the third or fourth biggest tournament of the year at over 50 years old. We could use this as a nice little segue to uh, preview what we're talking about a little bit later in the show with Tiger Woods. Like yeah. golf, there's just a there's just such a giant range of outcomes. So you're going to get some golfers that start to decline at 37 years old. You're also going to get some golfers that have the best season of their career at 46. Look right. what Stuart Sink did a year and a half ago, yeah, right? Yeah. Greg Norman almost won a British Open at 60. Tom Watson almost won a British Open at 60, right? So with golf, it's like literally impossible to tell. Uh, for sure. Here's the numbers on number 17 right now. So 24 players have gone through. 13 have hit the green. It's 54%. So basically a coin flip on hitting the green. So if you like some of the, the worst guys from... 
you know, the the long ranges of the long irons like a Patrick Reed. Uh, I wouldn't mind the what would technically be the underside of the green and regulation on 17. Yeah, Zero. I like that too. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, uh, here's what we're going to do. We are going to go back to, uh, I want to look at the live odds for this event. I want to talk about PGA Championship futures. Then we'll get to some odds and ends, but we'll hit it after this break. If you're not playing Daily Fantasy on Prize Picks, then you're not really playing Daily Fantasy. They offer nothing but props, and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over-under and can win up to ten times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up or click the link in the description that's code rick good luck all right, Andy, let's look at the live odds here, which should look something like this. John Rom plus 175 over at Caesars. Aaron Wise, 12 to 1. Brendan Todd is 14. Then you get Aaron Rice, Sebastian Munoz, uh, Sahif Tagala, all in the early 20s. Anything you see that might be of note or might be worth a little bit of a sprinkle on this Friday morning? So I think the players that you would want to target are the guys that are close to the top of the leaderboard, but are already on the course right now in the middle of their round. So they'll be able to get in the clubhouse if you presume that the afternoon wave is going to play over par, which I think is a pretty safe bet at this point. So that the guys that would fall into that category are guys like Scott Brown, who I don't see winning this tournament, guys like Matt Wallace. What about Matt Wallace, Andy? Because he's 65 to one right now. So yeah, that's that would be the play, right? And he's five under with, uh, he's playing 14 right now. So he's only got five more holes to play. So, I mean, it, it's interesting because if you look at Matt Wallace's lead in form, there was absolutely nothing that would indicate that he was playing well this week. Take it as a Matt Wallace guy. I bet this guy all the time and playing him DraftKings all the time. He had been on a terrible stretch, but he's five under today. If he gets to, you know, if you get in the clubhouse, I mean, what's the lead heading into tomorrow night, right? Like we talked about if Rom shoots 68, I got to believe like he's signing for nine, 10 under, right? Yeah. I was going to say like, I would take nine or 10 right now. Me too. I'd be pretty happy about my chances going into into the weekend. And if Rom does it, that might be, yeah, he might gain four shots on the field. Like that's a great round. It's a great round by anybody who's going off this afternoon already at seven under. If they gain four shots on the field and it might be more than that, they get to 10 under. Interesting about Wallace too. I just went to check real quick. If you know, if he was doing it in the quote unquote right way, he is 12th in approach um, this week fourth last in the field off the tee, but you know, this, that may not hurt him that much, right? It, we have pretty generous fairways. So this is truly a second shot golf course because most guys are hitting it in the fairway here. And even if you're a little bit wild off the tee, you generally will still have a 
a chance at hitting the green. So yeah, I would say Wallace of the, of like this group of Wallace Brown long Kitayama and Novak, all those guys, Rick are at six under par and playing the golf course right now. I think I would probably feel the most confident as in Wallace because he has the least amount of holes left to play. And at least he's won a couple of times before on the Euro tour. Hmm. I think I agree. Um, John Rom plus 175 as crazy as that is. It's only like a small discount from his, from his pre-tournament number. <laughs> it's not terrible. It, it, it's not terrible. I was looking at like the true win probabilities heading into today and it had him at like 33%, which I guess you wouldn't, I guess you couldn't say that that's value for the plus 165. Not yet. No, not yet. Close. No, but yeah. I'd, I'd rather bet. I'd rather bet him at plus 175 after knowing he's seven under through rounds one, as opposed to plus 350 before the tournament started. Right. Which right. Is crazy exactly. to think I would bet either one of those, but. I'd prefer now than 24 hours ago. Right. It's exactly. It's a crazy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> real quick update on our one and done. Mm. So you have Gary Woodland, right? You have Gary Woodland. I have Kevin. Nah, that is, <laughs> this never works out for me on a Friday. Uh, that is currently a four shot difference today. Cause Woodland's one over. And Nah, who just missed a short birdie putt, is three under. So I'm having a good day, but I have a lot of good Fridays, Andy. I have a lot of great Fridays. I don't have many good Saturdays and Sundays. I'm trying to think back, like if Woodland ends up missing the cut, like do I regret? Like I don't know where I would have gone. This field is like I'm leading by two million dollars, right? And I think by any metric that you want to look at. Woodland's a top five player in this field. Sure. Is that fair? Very fair. So what, what benefit would I have like trying to get cute and even picking somebody along the lines of like somebody like a Sahith or a Cameron champ? Like I, I just, I wasn't going to do that. Right. So I think I'll take my medicine with whatever happens with Woodland. I think it was given my position with you and the two man. I think that was what I had to do. And, you know, hopefully he can, he can make the cut and finish somewhere around non we're, we're treading water until the PGA. Is there a, uh, is there a future for like a lot more one and done content slash tools slash like that? That's gotta be one of the, fastest growing aspects of our of our world right i would say i probably get the most one and done questions from non-golf people like that's if why i think it's growing so quickly the barrier of yeah. entry to one and done is very very small right so okay. i think uh like i do a one and done i make the picks in in a friend's one and done league who is not a golf golfer at all but he he asked me to make the picks for him and stuff like that so I agree. I think it's a very appealing option. It's kind of like, it's almost like the best golf has to fantasy football, where a lot of people that play fantasy football aren't really football fans, but right. they love the format of fantasy football so much that it's a way to get them engaged. Of course, they're fun season long 
fantasy leagues and stuff like that. But I think it's too tough. Like the barrier for entry, like is a non golf fan that really doesn't watch golf. I think they're more likely to play in a one and done league than they are to place a couple top twenties every week than they are to put in a hundred dollar single entry every week. Right. Yeah. And, and format matters, right. And one and done is a really good format for golf. The best format that we have in the world is a, is a bracket, a bracket of anything, right? That's why March Madness is as crazy as it is. That's why Janice in accounting fills out a bracket, not knowing what any, like it's, it's the most adopted form of fantasy essentially, because the, the, the format is so good. Um, the format for one and done is pretty good as well. You know, you really only need to know 30 ish golfers. You sign in once a week, you pick one and there's basic strategy, but you could get fairly advanced with it, especially once it actually starts. I think that that is, um, I think it's an area that will grow very, very quickly. Yeah. You know, season long fantasy is really fun too. I just, I don't know. Like, are you in any season long fantasy leagues, Rick? I was last year. I believe it or not, am not. I enjoyed it, but it's just like, you got to have the right people. You got to have the right people with you, unfortunately. Right. I think golf is a good sport for that. I just don't know if it's like a mainstream thing. I think it's the same thing with fantasy football, right? Where the most fun part of that is the draft. Mm -hmm. It's all about the draft. And then after the draft, it's very easy for people to check out, right? Well, that's why I think uh, like best ball is becoming popular in, in football because it's only the draft and you never have to worry about it. I could see that happening in golf. You know, the draft that, that I do with everybody on, on Mayo's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that's pretty fun and pretty popular. And all you do is you just pick them because there is, there is the, the, the inherent problem of season long golf is that these guys don't play every single week. Right. And, mm-hmm. and now Sung J M is the most valuable golfer because he plays every single week. So if there was a way to account for that, uh, I think it would be more popular. It's a good point. Yeah. I'm in a season long one too, with, with a couple buddies and, and I think the draft is the most fun part of it. And then once you get into the season, it's kind of like, eh, you know, and, and by the way, this year, uh, I think it was my friend and your friend as well, Jeff in that league. Um, if you just, chef were like broke season long, he broke it. Yeah, he broke it. He's <laughs> Jeff is just, if you drafted Scotty Scheffler, you're just running away with everything. He's, he has earned Scotty Scheffler alone has earned more money than like half the teams in our, in that league. Right. And, and I guess the only team, the only guy that you could say has a ch- is Cam Smith, right? Cause the players purse and, but after that, there's like a pretty huge drop off. I would imagine. Yeah. Pretty big gap. Last time I saw Scotty was like minus 600 to win the money list with half of the events to go and three majors to go. So that should tell you, uh, that he's probably going to win the money list <laughs> like by a pretty significant gap. Um, PGA Championship. We were kind of teasing this a little bit earlier here. I just want to look at the odds uh, real quick for you here, Andy, because we're only a couple weeks out. John Rahm at DraftKings, 11 to 1. Scotty Shuffler, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, 12 to 1. DJ and Bryson, who I guess is getting back on track, is 14 to 1, along with Colin Morikawa. Brooks at 16, Cam Smith at 18. And then you get Cantlay, Victor, and Spieth at 20. Anything of note here? 
Okay, so don't bet this now. Futures in golf is like it's dead. They they are so protective yeah. uh right now about not getting burned that um these odds are going to reset Monday of tournament week. Um that I can guarantee. With that being said, um my favorite bet on the board is probably can't lay at 20. Probably. I just, I don't understand why Bryson is 14. Do we know if he's playing? Well, he just tweeted out, <clears throat> I think it was yesterday, that he got his stitches out. So he's like going to start, I guess, swinging and doing whatever. But I am I will assume he's playing, yes. Yeah, okay. Even if he's playing and he's healthy, I don't think 14 to 1 is a fair number on him right now. Um, I, I like Cantlay. I like the way Cantlay's playing. I like him on bent grass greens. I like this golf course for him uh, a lot based on the research that I've done on Southern Hills. Um, Woodland at 80 is interesting yeah, because too, yeah. so Woodland, uh, Woodland plays Southern Hills a lot. He's got some familiarity with Southern Hills. He went to Kansas. I uh, went to college in that area. So, um, you know, Woodland, if we're looking farther down the board, I like Woodland and I like that 100 to 1 on Kokrak too. Because Kokrak's starting to round into form a little bit too. And he's a bent grass guy as well. He's just going to win the PGA Championship and then he's going to bounce to the Saudi <laughs> League. Take, take the money, take the trophy. Catch you guys later. Thanks for everything. That'll be nice. It's a good point. It's a uh, good point. Questionable motivation there. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I agree. The future markets, unless you're, unless you are trying to identify that guy who, yeah, is eighty or hundred to one that has like a, you know, a, I, it's so hard to bet the top of the board this far out because you're right. It's going to reset and there's going to be competition and, and they're they're going to run promos to get our money and there's going to be odds boosts and there's going to be whatever. It's just like you can't bet anybody at the top of the board right now. Removing odds completely out of the equation as we stand here mm -hmm. two and a half weeks out. Who do you think wins the PGA? I'm still a bit enamored with Brooks. Um huh. and like a healthy, okay. like a healthy Brooks, I think is 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 really scary and something that um we haven't seen in a while. I I I like the only issue I have with Kentley is that he's never really Done contended it. at a major championship. He's like never contended. Right. Um, well, the Tiger Masters year, that's the only he had the lead on the back nine. And then I think he bogeyed 17 and 18. Yeah. So that's the only one you're right. That's the only one. I think this is going to be uh major championship number 18 as a professional uh, 20 right. in, or 21 in total. So I'm not like I'm not at sound the alarm yet on he just can't do it in majors but like i'm getting pretty close i'm getting i'm getting pretty like once you start once you make 20 major championship starts yeah and you've got all these other wins and you know the fedex cup and you've uh, that's my only hesitation but i do i do really like just on paper in a vacuum skill set at a lot of these places no you're right he needs one bad and and partially maybe that's why i'm picking him because i i know that he's due to really pop in a major championship. And he's quickly at, you know, getting close to the top of the list of best players without a major championship has to be Cantlay. Right. Yeah. So that that's interesting to me, Brooks, you know, I, I, I think Brooks is going to be very, um, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation because with Brooks, you always have 
the dueling forces of recent form versus is he just a blind bet at every major? Yes. And the thing that is exciting about Cantlay, and I, I, I feel like I say this a lot, he is legitimately a ceiling golfer. And like he taps into the right. ceiling four times a year, five times yeah. a year. And he like, it's, you know, maybe he'll gain eight strokes with the putter. Maybe he'll be the best ball striker in the field. He just, he has ceiling weeks. Now, unfortunately, a lot of his like floor weeks have come in major championships, but, or the players, if you want to throw those in there as well, but I love the ceiling. Right. And I mean, he's been in great form. Like he, he's playing really, really good golf right now. He was, I would say that, you know, he didn't carry Xander in the team event, but I would say that he certainly played better than Xander in the team event. And prior to that, he just gained eight strokes on approach, losing in a playoff to Spieth at the heritage. Um, yeah, I would say as it stands now, he's probably what's tiger at just out of curiosity. 40, I think. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah, 40. Hmm. We'll talk about Tiger. Let's talk talk about about Tiger. Tiger. All right, we're going to talk about Tiger. Um, I want to talk about a little bit of tour news that we'll see how it pans out, but we're going to do it after a 30-second break. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently, 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. All right, Andy, the big cat flew to Southern Hills and played a practice round. It is 2022, and the cat cannot fly anywhere, baby, without us knowing about it. How, how, how rich, famous, powerful do you have to be that when you fire up the private jet, the world, the world knows it? Yeah, you've got to be in a little bit of a a different tier. Let me ask you this. Do you think Tiger, like, do you think if he wanted to be a little bit more private about this, he could? Of course. He could just yeah. call NetJets and say, hey, f- let me get, get me to Southern Hills. And just one of those net, like, you know what I mean? The only reason we know it's because it's his registered, you know, tail number on his plane that we know he uses. He could, there's a million ways for him to get to Southern Hills in a more private manner. Right. So this is a little bit, it's a little bit more intentional. And also, by the way, like all these pictures, weren't you a little surprised to get so many swing videos of him yesterday? It must've been, I don't know if it was like, Hey, last minute, or they didn't say, Hey, employees, put your phones away. There were like live videos from directly behind him on T boxes. It okay, almost so that's... like a dozen people following him around with, with phones. Okay. So that's the thing, right? Like I play, I've played Southern Hills before. It's a very like private club, right? And like the members are the type of members that like really understand privacy and if they're if they said to the guys that were at the golf course that day like hey tiger woods is coming today like don't take your phones out and take pictures of him they would respect that that was not said to them 
queerly at all, which is the interesting thing about it. I'm not cynical enough to be like, oh, Tiger, you know, Pip, all that stuff, whatever. But what I will say about it is when Tiger first started practicing at Medalist, he didn't want any images or pictures of him, right? Because I don't think he knew what it was going to turn into, right? He wasn't confident yet. And also they never came out, right? Like we heard rumors that he was there, but there was never a photo. There was never a video until like the final week before he went to play a practice round at Augusta national. There was that one off in the distance swing where the guy was, somebody was like 70 yards away that caught, Oh, that looks like Tiger's swing. Like, like it was not what we saw yesterday. Right. Exactly. So what this tells me is the fact that his camp is okay with these pictures coming out. That means he's playing and that means he's confident enough for sure. You know, so tiger at the PGA. Um, also, I think it's a really good sign that we're only like, we're like 20 days removed from Sunday at the masters where he was just like clearly limping around, struggling, all that stuff. And he's just like, okay, boom, like rehabbed or whatever, was able to relax. I'm able to gear it back up and get it ready to go. He's definitely playing the PGA championship. And I think we probably see him now for majors and maybe he starts to mix something else in. I don't know what something else looks like. Maybe it's the Memorial at some point, maybe not this year, but I think we're going to get five to seven tigers a week, a year. Uh, Over under finishing position at the PGA 37.5. You know, you have done much more research uh, on that course than I have. Um, I think it is, um, I would take the over. I would take the over, I think. I think I would too. I don't feel super great about it though. Um, I would say that just in a complete vacuum wreck, Augusta is a better fit for the golfer that tiger is right now like the rough at southern hills it's actually a a problem right it's kind of this sticky um bermuda rough uh and it's gonna be super super windy that week like oklahoma that time of year you're gonna get a ton of wind the greens are gonna be a little brown it's gonna be firm it's gonna be really hard like i'm telling you right now rick i would not be shocked if the winning score at the PGA championship was like minus two, wow. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really difficult this year. Um, but I think with tiger, he can hit the shots. I think it's Fino bogey again. He just lipped out a four footer, like a idiot. <laughs> so bad. Anyway, I, I think tiger, um, Again, I think he makes the cut and struggles over the weekend. I think we see maybe something similar to what we saw at the Masters, if I had to make a guess. What was his finishing? What did he end up finishing at the Masters? 47th, 49th, something like that? Yeah, I mean, it was a smaller tournament. So I think at the Masters, only like 60 people make the cut. Less than that. 50 and ties. 50 and ties. 50 and ties. So how many people made the cut at the Masters? I think it was 57 or something like that. and, And he finished towards the back end of the field. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited though. Very, very cool stuff. We'll see. We'll see how he does. I'm also excited to see Southern Hills again, right? Because we haven't seen it since '05, right? That's when Tiger won it. It hasn't been back in the rotation since. 
Yeah, 2007, I think it was, Tiger. Uh, that's the last time that we've seen it. Yeah, and they did, Gil Hans did an incredible restoration, which I'm sure I'll talk about a ton in the upcoming weeks. Love um, that. But yeah, really, really cool stuff. All right, uh, real quick, then we'll get out of here because we don't have much information on this, but uh, apparently the PGA Tour is on the verge of digital assets, Andy. Remember how Phil Mickelson said the tour is sitting on billions and billions of digital asset dollars or whatever he called it? Um, well, apparently the PGA Tour is going to start monetizing this. Now, I, I believe there are two deals that are imminent. Uh, one with a company called Autograph, which is... You might have seen this. I you can buy them on uh on like DraftKings Marketplace. This is Tom Brady's co-founded uh site where they do NFTs and they send they send the athletes like a tablet, Andy, and they actually like digitally sign everything. So you're like kind of getting an autograph of these NFTs. So that's that's part one. And then part two, uh, which is much more prevalent in I believe European soccer, this company called uh So Rare, which is essentially mm-hmm. Madden ultimate football team where you can collect cards of players and now golfers and then put them into fantasy lineups and win apparently real money. Right. So is this, um, this is something that the players, this is an opportunity for the players to make more money too, right? Or just the PGA tour? No, the players, uh, will will definitely make more money. Now they have to individually opt into this, which is a little right. bit concerning because then you get, might get a situation where none of the big names get in, but with the, uh, the payout. So they get paid on their FedEx cup position, but then they're also going to get a percentage of, I guess their digital assets. So like in, in NBA top shot, LeBron doesn't get more money if his moment sells for 25,000. Apparently in this, they would. So it would almost be encouraging for Rory to be pumping up his own price of his stuff. Right. Okay. So I think this is probably, you could say that this is another play to, you know, it's kind of, they're against live right now, right? A little bit in a lot of this stuff because the live, I mean, it's happening and, um, they're going to have at least, we'll have to say at the very least better names than I think people expected. Um, so this seems like another move by the PGA tour to enhance players to say, Hey, you can make a lot of money with us too. Yeah. It's just basically more guaranteed money for golfers. And then the bigger name you are, the more money you're going to make. Uh, are you going to get into the NFT fantasy strategy world that will be eventually coming to the world of golf? Probably not, but I just feel like, I don't know. Are you into the end? I feel like you're a little bit more knowledgeable on this stuff than I am. I feel like I kind of just missed the boat and now it's so intimidating for me. I get NFTs that have utility. So like sure. the, I, I own the autograph. I own a couple of the autograph ones like of Tiger, okay. but I'm not super bullish on that. It was just kind of like a hedge in case this thing goes nuts. Um, but I think, and, and I thought DraftKings was going to do this because DraftKings got into NFTs and I thought they were eventually going to release their own where you could, yeah, you could buy 
of Rory McIlroy and plug him into your lineup. That's having utility for something that can actually make you money makes the most sense to me in for, in terms of NFTs because there's already a built-in value as opposed to just saying this picture of Tiger Woods is worth $1,000. It's kind of like the trading card thing, right? Where the trading card boom happened recently where you're basically, it's kind of like long-term jock market, right? You're basically yeah. having to determine like the stocks of, of players and you kind of want to buy them before they go up. Right. I would imagine. Yeah. So, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see who gets into it, how it all shakes out, but apparently we're going to be able to free to play, get packs of cards, open the packs, pull a Scotty Scheffler and plug him into our lineup and try to make real money. Apparently that's going to happen. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Cool. My, my roommates really into that stuff with the, uh, with baseball and like the, you open up the, you don't know what cards you're going to get. And like you, the unboxing is, uh, is, is very exciting. So yeah, maybe I'll get into it for it's, that's a, it's a rainy day activity for me. I need to like educate myself on it before I, I dive head first. Yeah. And I have no idea the timeline on this. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. Could be, could be a month, could be a year, could be, it falls apart and never happens. So we'll see. Uh, all right, Andy, anything else before we get out of here? Friday scramble, Mexico open. Uh, I don't think so. I'll give you this before we head out. Uh, Friday midday, I guess, on the East Coast. Rom or the field? Who are you taking? I'll still take the field. It's just too many me, guys. Me too. It's It's tight, though. I don't feel great about it, but I would still take the field. Yeah, I'm not like sprinting to actually make that wager, but no. I will. I'll take the field and just assume that uh, one of these guys finds a ceiling weekend. And right. that's hopefully, that's- hopefully it's our guy, Aaron Wise. From your lips to the golf god's ears, I would not make nearly as much as when I was betting him at 125 and 150 to one, but sure. 35 to one and kind of the vindication of this was coming would that would be I'd I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, certainly. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully Aaron Wise gets it done for us. Andy Lack available on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. Armina produces the show, does all the hard work behind the scenes. Shout out Mina. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Friday Scramble. We'll catch you next time.